23. Okay, so Greg just showed me this uh, fan fiction version of, uh, what is that, Earth Funk or whatever. Yeah, the Funktastic. Funktastic. It's called Earth vs. Funk. It it was just... Brilliant. Like, I mean, brilliant 15 years ago. I can't imagine how many hours it took, like... So, like, most of those lyrics were just, like, of uh, homophones of what they were really saying, right? Right, yes, right. So, like, you know, there was a subtitle, but it was, like, English words that sounded like what they were saying. Yes. And, and there was English in there, too. You know, they would do that thing where they would go, to, you know, and use certain English words, that, you know, like funk and things like that. Coochie, coochie, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, like, the stuff that was in Japanese, right? Because it was yeah, Japanese. Yeah. You know, they had homophones for English words. And just, like just like Dynamite Pig, right? <laughs> about to Dynamite Pig. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it definitely wasn't Dynamite Pig. Okay. But <laughs> certain points, it's hard to tell whether it yeah, was English or not. Yeah, well, that's but... the good thing about those lyrics is, you know, they're, uh, some parts are obvious. Like, I'm just scared of walking in a poncho. Then they put Christopher Walken in a poncho. Mm-hmm. That's not what he said, but it's... But, the dynamite pig part is like it's close enough. <laughs> so just writing the lyrics for that thing probably took like dozens of hours, and then see, I, I think that you're wrong. I think it took one time through. Yeah, more or less. It reminds me of if, if I was listening to uh, the most recent Douglas movies, and this is before I saw the latest uh, um, Mission Impossible. But one of the guys said he saw it. One of the persons is there. I think it was Kurt Prawn already. He said, they must have taken hours to write that script. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's not far off, probably, because the, it is... Yeah. It's a, it's a series of, of scenes to get from action piece to action piece. And they're all bad. <laughs> um, we're just pour this out. Yeah. This is the hitchhiker, which, like you said, I mean, we're, I'm shocked that this beer so quickly went so bad. What are you looking for? I thought I brought a picture. I guess I left a picture oh. on the de- on the bar. So, shall we talk about bone worms? Bone, bone worms. Bone worms, baby. Bone worms. Uh, these are. Uh, uh, um, hold on a minute. This is that one's empty. Yeah. Yeah. We actually drink all the tobacco beer. Yeah, and it's in last place. Uh, so these are a species of deep sea uh, worms. Um, that they sort of burrow into bones and they have this thing that extends out. It kind of looks kind of flower-like. Um, okay. And that's, you know, it's one of the, one of the various species that, that eats whale bones and stuff like that get, that gets thrown down there. But because they're deep sea species, there are a lot of different sexual dimorphisms in deep sea species, particularly females get very large, males generally get very small. Remember there was the... the um, the monkfish, okay. which has the female, you know, has a or lanternfish, right? It has a anglerfish. Anglerfish, yeah. 
Same thing. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So the anglerfish, most people probably know the story, right? But the anglerfish um, gets absorbed into the, the female. The males are really tiny and they bite onto the female. And then essentially all of their body desiccates away except for a little bit of the body that holds the testes, gets connected into the, um, the female's bloodstream. And the brain and all the other stuff goes away, and it's just basically a dangling pair of testes with, with sperm in it. And that's what the males do. Uh, the males in the bony worms are, it's uh, similar in the sense that they're very strongly sexually dimorphic. They don't ever really get out of the larval stage. Uh, they sort of, they're, they, be, they get like very tiny, like millimeter or even smaller size, and they kind of, swim around in a sack that surrounds the female. Okay. This was an interesting study because they found, for the first time, uh, a dwarf male that was essentially very morphologically the same as the females. In other words, it was slightly smaller, but it got full adult size. Okay. And it had the ability to to uh, inseminate females. Okay. Uh, so which was weird because this was this uh, paper was a dwarf male reversal. This was a, a a big differentiation between the normal behavior of males and females in a society. This was the first time they ever found males male boneworms that were actually doing what female boneworms do, actually boneworming. Oh, okay. Eating bones, eating bones, being doing all the things that the females do, but at the same time also. So I wonder if it has anything to do with. Um, so I was listening to some podcast. I don't remember which one, but they're kind of talk. Oh, it was. Um, it's probably Radio Lab. They did a whole series on. Um, I think the, I think the series is actually on gonads. Uh huh. And they talked about how, you know, there's a bunch of species where when there is, um, I think it's probably mostly female to male transitions, but like, you know, you'll have communities where there's one male and a bunch of females of things. And not just talking about like microscopic bacteria, but macroscopic things, right? And like, so you have this, and then when like the male dies... One of the females will Turn, convert mm-hmm. into a male and whatnot. There, there are certain fish species that that do that. Um, that are females in one part of their life, and they change into males in a different part of their life. There are lots of worm species mm-hmm. that have that are hermaphroditic or have both abilities. Yeah. So um, I'm just wondering if this observation had something to do with you know lack of you know I'm just positing right that you know maybe the 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 female that all the males were swimming around had died or become invalid or something and then you know he was he had grown and started bone warming and maybe the sexual transition was coming afterwards or i something. mean it's possible i mean you could read the paper yeah. if you wanted to uh it's beyond me because it's not my yeah. field yeah. but it's i'm not gonna read a <laughs> scientific journal about bone worms what was interesting is that and what they're documenting is that this was a major reversal in terms of, of the reproductive strategy because the reproductive strategy has worked very well. And so it's clear that this is something that they're not used to seeing. And yet this right. is 
this is a potential that wasn't even really guessed at being uh, possible. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, it could be, what if that happens just 1% of the time, right? I mean, the bone worms, how frequently have they been studied? Not, not very frequently. Right, but so. but it, what, if, what if it happens? What if it happens? What if it happens 50% of the time we've only studied it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. That's why it's, it was such right. a since there's a journal thing on it, I would have guessed it's probably down to fifty percent, right? Well, we uh, <laughs> if it happens fifty percent of the time, because you would figure there'd be enough body literature that they know like at least like what happens like ten or eleven times before. Yes, but what I'm saying is maybe, um, maybe they've they've it it is possible. It's in, it's within the realm of possibility. They've only encountered versions that haven't done this yeah. whereas it's maybe some this may be a strategy that's employed very often in the wild but they've only encountered it once yeah that's what i'm saying is that it could yeah. be the case this happens so often but they just haven't encountered or right. haven't i mean if you think about it right if you look at the statistics the fact that they observed like the first time this mutation has ever happened or this happens a small percentage of the time uh, and this is an under-observed phenomenon right you know Probably that. Much more likely than, than yeah, I mean it it's very unlikely that this would be the first time this has ever happened. But I suppose within the realm of possibility that there could be a mutation that, that caused this thing. But then it wouldn't you would not expect that to be particularly successful, but perhaps it would be. Um I think there's probably pressures involved, you yeah. know, like what is the competition like? What right. is the if if so little data on bone worms, it's hard to say. But you know, how come you're not up on your bone worm studies, man? Study up on your fucking bone worms, yeah. bitch. As long as they just keep eating whale bones and don't come for mine, I'm okay. Yeah, they're, unless you get your bones to the bottom of the sea, you know, and leave them there for a long time, you should be fine. Because uh, they, what they've done to, to find them, uh, they by they I mean scientific studies on these have basically because you're not always going to find whales that have luckily died and gotten to the bottom of the ocean. Um, they will take like sea porpoises and other stuff that have died of natural causes and let them sink, mm-hmm. and uh, let stuff happen that way. Now, do these bone worms only eat like mammal bones or like fish bones too? Okay, because <laughs> you keep talking about like mammals with, you know, mammal type bones, right? They're. I mean, I think that most fish wouldn't fall to the bottom of the ocean like a whale or something would. Yeah. Uh, the fish that would like big sharks and stuff are mostly cartilage rather than bone. Yeah. So probably maybe fish. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've I've seen small fish right, bones. Yeah, right. I don't know what it's made out of. It's not definitely not calcified bone though. Or at least not to the same extent. Yeah. These are probably pretty well adapted to mammalian skeletons, I would say. I would say it's unlikely 
that these particular, this Osidex genus is doing it on other species. On, on other things other than mammals, large mammals that have fallen. Okay. It's probably the only like robust bone that could get down there. Yeah. That would survive under those pressures. I mean, I have no idea. Like, you know, think of big fish like a marlin or something. I have no idea what their bones are like compared to the little freshwater fish that I've right. seen the insides of. They probably wouldn't last too long in that environment. Too. I mean, like whales yeah. can last for over two years. It's the carcass of a whale. That That's how long it takes for that to be. Mm-hmm. And huge communities of, of organisms. Now I'm curious. Are whale bones, porpoise and dolphin bones... How similar are they to, you know, the mammalian bones that I'm thinking of? Very. Are they? Yeah. I mean, I've, whales I've, are, I've not seen them, so I don't know. But Whales are, are kind of sort of like horses. Okay. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that the bones are... Just because they've lost their limbs and can hold their breath for a very long time and their nose migrated to the top of their head... Um, doesn't mean that their bones would have changed as quick as much as quickly. Yeah, and you know the thing is, if you look at fish and lizards, they have their backbone arranged in mm-hmm. such a way that they're they twist like they they they, they do this horizontal thing. Like snake, right? right. They, so you'll see a lizard, you know, horizontally mm-hmm. moves around, and so the the tail of a fish, you'll notice mm-hmm. that a fish has this sort of vertical tail, mm-hmm. whereas Dolphins and whales have a horizontal tail because their body moves more like ours do. They have a backbone that goes up, sort of up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, they're in the water. Would because the, like, okay, so here's a question. Like, Maybe maybe they're still chemically the same, right? But the density is probably much less, right? Because they don't have to support yes, their right. weight on land or right. anything, right? So they're probably much less dense. Yeah, I mean, I think of... But, you know... I think of fish, like, even salmon is, is, is a relatively large... I don't think I've ever seen salmon bones. Like they're the they're, they're bones. flexible. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, pretty but, I mean, if you look at... If you look at, I mean, I've seen bird. I mean, look at chicken bones. Birds right? are hollow, right? But still, bird chicken bones and rabbit bones look fairly similar. They right. have similar characteristics, similar structures, mm-hmm. things like that. And you know, they're not that closely related. No, they are not particularly closely related. <laughs> They're tetrapods. Yeah. Uh, They're just, vertebrates. Yeah, I mean, so I guess a fish really doesn't... A fish has ribs and a vertebrate, and, like, that's mostly it, right? Yeah. There's probably a little bit of bones, like, around the pectoral fins to get those connected up. But, but it's more muscle. Yeah. Because they don't... Yeah, they don't need bones for structural support as much. Yeah. I mean, whales have gone much the same way, right? Right. But they still have. They don't. They they don't have hips anymore, do they? Or is there still? They, there's still like residual hip stuff. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just speculating. I'm just like looking at like all the different similar things. And I think that, you know, saying that it's chicken... like we have, we still have cossacks, right? We still have like tailbones. Yeah. Yeah. Chickens and small mammals, those bones are both very similar until you like actually are a bone person. Right. And, and know the differences where fish bones are definitely different. I would love to see what a large fish. I can't mad. I can't remember ever seeing like a marlin or something like that. And you know, everyone says sharks are all cartilage. Does that does it go the same for all fish, or are sharks bones different than other? Fish? I mean, they're not, I think there's some not all cartilage, but they're mostly cartilage, right? Um, so what, what's the biggest? Fish, probably a whale shark. Biggest right? fish is a whale shark, yes. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I mean, like, all the fish that I've seen the insides to have been tiny little things where their bones are... Right. Inconsequential. Yeah, I don't know. I've had, like, trout. That... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, now I'm, all right, like, you know, so like sardines come with like the backbone in there, right? right? And they're yeah. edible and they're, and they have a crunch to them, but they, and actually a sardine's vertebrae seems a little more bony than you think of I mean, what I think of when I think of like a bluegill or something like but that. But it's crumbly. It's not like, yeah. like yeah. a whale bone. That's a substantial bone. I don't know. Haven't held it right because it doesn't have to support its weight on land. It could be. It could be very have a very low density to it. Let's look it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the bone loss that humans have when they're in space, right? When they're in microgravity, right? right. I mean, floating around the ocean all the time is very similar. Vapor pressure, isotherms, composition, density, and hyperdense bones of horse, whale, and porpoise. I don't know if this article is going to give us any data that we can actually relate to. The mineral content of these bones varied from 80 to 98%, much greater than for the better known cortical bone. Um... That's a... I don't have access to that paper. Uh, just the. I don't think I don't think we'd be able to understand it anyway. <laughs> uh, whale bone is a comprised of composite structure of both inorganic matrix of mainly hydroxylpatite, calcium phosphate. Uh, and organic protein scaffolding of mainly collagen. Uh, sperm whale skeleton thus had a higher mineral value than a fin whale. That's exciting. Uh, How about Better Call Saul? Watch Better Call Saul last night. Yeah, Better Call Saul's back. It's back. It's back, it's baby. Back. Good show's back. That was good. It was a really good it's episode. It's going to be, you know, I, I love what they've always done with Michael Ehrman Trout. And it looks like this is going to be his one. Of, he's going to be a big role in this season. Mm-hmm. He's starting to work for um, 
mag- magical electromotive. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was. It was funny. I thought he was going to try to like, and probably was trying to scope out like who he's working for. Mm-hmm. But then he actually like earned his paycheck and did all this like right. security audit stuff. Basically, and... yeah, because he's he's getting paid as a security consultant. And he goes down there, and you think, oh, he's he's scoping out the place. He's doing what he can to scope out the place. And then he goes in, and then he just gives this report <laughs> and says, I'm a security consultant. I got paid ten grand to do this. I'm going to earn my pay. I'm going to earn my pay. Like, he, there's an honor to him mm-hmm. in the sense that he yeah. was like that. And you didn't, like, you were, that, that was sort of the, the great thing that the show does is you're, you're, you're with him on the journey. Uh-huh. You're not sure what he's doing. You kind of think you have an idea, but then when it's revealed, it makes complete sense. Yeah, because I mean, I was thinking that like he doesn't trust his new employer. And he right. wants to figure out what they're really up to, and that might have been part of what he was doing. But he also earned his paycheck, right? <laughs> like legitimately, like like what his job title is. He did ten thousand dollars worth of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was it was a really cool it's a it's it's a cool thing that only better call Saul and, and he called does. over that team and like bitched them out for not wearing their safety gear. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was amazing. The um the fl- the flash forward at the beginning of the show that they have at the beginning mm. and end of the season. That was really interesting and too. intense. It was a lot more it was longer. It was deeper than any of them have been. And um, well, on this last season, do you remember they they did the one where he got locked? Yeah, in, outside or, or and and yeah, but that was still him on his own. This one is him, like his covers being challenged, right? And then there's that whole cabbie thing that um, yeah, I think was in his head, but. What, what do you think? Do you think it was I in mean, his it head? was weird that the, the cabbie stayed there and didn't yeah. talk or respond. But I, that might have just all been the, in his head. It might have been all in his head, yeah. No, right? The, the cabbie's not talking, that the car's sitting there forever. The car might have sat there for 15 seconds right. when the guy did some paperwork and filled mm-hmm. out his log, you know. But so I think it was in his head. I think that that little. Yes, uh, I, I think that it, to me. That I I read the scene the same way that it was in his head, but again, I think, and but I think you know the way they exaggerated, it put you in his mindset of right. oh this might be something here, yeah. Th- this is the moment because it, 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 he's... the funny thing is is that that little that little window air freshener thing for the Albuquerque right, uh, yeah. isotopes you know set him off, right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that you get the idea, and it, it really was very good at. At, without ever saying it, but but expressing it, he's always waiting for the other shoe to drop. He right. is, and he is just he's constantly looking around the corner and expecting it to happen, so he sees it everywhere. So later in the episode, when Mike was watching the baseball game with the Albuquerque Isotopes, do you think that was like an explanation for people who didn't think that didn't figure out that it was like a minor league baseball team, or because like? The people who didn't, assume, for me, I'm thinking the people who didn't assume that from the beginning probably wouldn't have made the connection later yeah, yeah. on. Yeah, no, you know? I mean, so, I, I think that it was. Or so it was like a, a funny like callback. If you if you read it and tracked, 
you know, here's confirmation. I didn't even recognize that he was watching the isotopes, but I think it yeah. was there probably as a as a link in case you in case you were looking, you weren't sure what the isotopes were. There was a bone thrown to you. Okay. But Yeah, I just I mean I, was, I thought it was a bone at first, but I'm like, well, how many people are going to read that? Because when he was watching TV, the announcer did say the isotopes, uh-huh. but again, it was so, so subtle that well, yeah, because it, it's because it, it wasn't the yeah. point. It, no, it, I know it wasn't the yeah. point, and maybe it was a subtle bone, but my, my, I thought maybe it was like if you were trying to throw them a bone, it might have been too subtle. I, I don't know. I just that's just it, the way. It, it, and I, but I think that's the right way to do yeah. throwing a bone is to not. It's not part of the story. It, yeah. it, it's it's an incidental thing that's there if you absolutely need it. Uh, and if you're really looking for it, you'll find it. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking I, for it. I, yeah, I just enjoyed kind of the. Yeah, I th- I don't think I liked it as like a, a reward for me paying attention. I, but... I don't think it was that. Yeah, I think it was more yeah. just a. It, it was establishing because you got to every time you have a season, you have to reestablish your characters in some yeah. sense. You got yeah. to. You have to make sure that because there are going to be people who come in who either are new to the show or, or you know haven't thought about it. And since you also the last have to, you also have to think at this point, Breaking Bad has been off the air for so long that you're forgetting like what some of what why Mike was doing what Mike did and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? So they kind of reinforce some of that about how important his granddaughter is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And whatnot, so. They they do it that they expertly reintroduce everything without mm-hmm. ever really calling attention to the fact that they were reintroducing stuff. Um, I'm still waiting for Walter White and <laughs> to kind of just walk through the background. I, no, see, just, I I think that you don't think you think walking through the background is just too much a coincidence, or I I don't I, I feel like. And then I've read some of the interviews, and I know that you know there was like in the Comic Con that Vince Gilligan was saying he would love to have breaking to have Jesse and Walter in the show. He would love it, but unless it makes sense, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's I think the the right attitude. I, I'm sure he'd love to do it, right? But mm-hmm. if he can't figure out a way that it works story-wise for it to happen, then it shouldn't happen. Just doing it is not a good enough reason to yeah. do it. Uh, when you can find... But it's a... kind of like the having the isotopes on TV, right? He could Walter White could be, like, chaperoning the high school... the car wash on the corner, you know? That, see, that feels too... Yeah. too... But, like, long shot, like, not sure it's him. I don't know. That, but... that feels too... Um, too fan servicey. Okay. You want it to I be guess. a natural thing. You don't want it to be like, oh, did you see that little thing in there? Ha ha ha. Yeah. As opposed to these, it cheapens both stories if they don't. If there is just if there's winks like that. Yeah. The, the thing that I had I had a hard time remembering exactly how the Hector Salamanca thing went down. It took me like I, I'm trying to think back. Because I remember he's trying he's trying to ditch those drugs and um, I remember I, it took a while though it's like you know it would have been maybe the maybe the one I downloaded didn't have kind of the last year you know last season on Better Call Saul maybe mm-hmm. that maybe they missed that part I had to go back to the memory banks 
Like, I couldn't remember how, like, Gustavo was there right away. Like, it didn't make sense in that scene, right? Like, why is Gustavo there? I don't remember. He was there. They were having the meeting, and that's when. Oh, okay. The thing happened. Um, yeah, but uh, and let's let's not forget we we haven't even talked about Solly. <laughs> about, <laughs> yeah. About Jimmy McGill and his brother, and how you you know you 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 feel his shock, and then you sort of see as he turns around to, well, good. <laughs> Like he's he, yeah, he had such a, an interesting relationship with Chuck, right? Because right. Chuck shot on him forever, and he was almost always there. And he only wasn't there for his brother when his brother was trying to tear him down, right? When, but I mean, they you know that was when they came to that 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 court case was the big break in that relationship and once the aftermath of that occurred they were on their own paths and whatever there was there that Jimmy cared about he saw it when all the stuff was out on on the on the ground and he felt it and then Howard gave him a way to not care at the mm-hmm. end gave him yeah. a way out that he could just say oh howard's gonna take the blame for this and you could sort of see it in his head where he's just like oh okay i i'm going to grab onto this and it made sense for mm-hmm. for the jimmy character it it, com- yeah. it was completely within character of jimmy to be like I I really cared about this until I found my way out. I found my con, and I'm just gonna live the con. Yeah. Another you know bit of fan service. It was it was kind of interesting. They pulled out that bottle of tequila. Oh. And emptied that right because <laughs> that was their like last big con together. Kim yeah. and Jimmy's. I think I think that this is going to make. Kim and Jimmy break up. I, I think. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's clearly Kim was not a part of Breaking Bad, so that so mm-hmm. her story yeah. uh, has to end. But I mean, she's been such a a great part of the series. Uh, but so is Chuck. I mean, and mm-hmm. you're gonna hate to see these characters go, but at the same time, you really are interested to see where they. Go. I, th- I think an, an, a great thing the show has done is look at what an interesting character they made out of Howard Hamlin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they turned this guy who was just you know in the first couple episodes just you know lawyer douche into a complex character. He's still a lawyer douche. He's still a lawyer douche, but yeah, I mean, um, especially this, like this episode. I I mean, they've done some in the past, but I mean, this episode you I, I saw him as, um, you know, he tolerated Jimmy. In the past, but in this episode, he was empathetic to Jimmy. Well, he and if you go back, if you remember, like in when it was revealed that it was Chuck that torpedoed Jimmy, Hamlin yeah. wanted to bring Jimmy aboard. Yeah, he saw the, yeah. the work Jimmy was doing. He thought it was good. Yeah, but this one was more of I, I just saw his empathy in mm-hmm. this one for Jimmy, where you know, the, yeah, there's that episode, but you know, generally it's like you know, 
Jimmy's okay. Jimmy's a screwball. He, you know, but this one was like, you know, like you know, he as as, as fake as the, Howard the, is. Sometimes um, he's also genuine. Yeah. The um, when he called Jimmy to approve the obituary, right? That was a weird scene, right? Because I'm not sure what. I think it was him trying. So I, when it when it aired, I thought it was him trying to be empathetic. Him trying to um, comfort Jimmy, and maybe he was, and just didn't get Jimmy's relationship. And you know, Jimmy responded the way you'd expect, right? Like, especially how thick he was laying on how amazing his brother right. was. But at the end, you realize that that part of the reason was because Howard feels responsible. Yeah. Yeah. He just seemed tone deaf when he was on the phone doing that thing. Because and, he felt so responsible for it yeah. that he had to make Chuck into this yeah, angel. Okay, okay. And Jimmy didn't want to hear it. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. I saw it more of as like Howard being this tone deaf lawyer douche with his partner, making his partner, make trying to make his partner sound awesome so the firm could sound awesome. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. But no, I think your point is good. And then I really didn't see Howard as becoming empathetic until the scenes later where, you know, he's he shed the douche skin to be supportive for Jimmy. And to try to get it off his back because he feels responsible. So I didn't I didn't really link that up so hard. I mean, they talked about it, but I didn't really link that together. Well, it's one of the things I love about Fed Cross Hall is that the, the characters are all really three-dimensional. They're, oh, yeah. they're really well thought out, and they make mistakes based on their characters, based on what you'd expect mm-hmm. people in their situation to possibly do. They're, where's this thing? They're, they do, maybe, are they practically, they're smart people doing dumb things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's uh, yeah, maybe you could call the show "Smart People Doing Really Dumb Things." <laughs> yeah, it was a good episode. It's gonna be a good season, I think. The show is, if you ask me, the way I look at it right now. And I would say I thought this for the ever since probably season three. That Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad. It's it's a different show. It's a different show. It's not as it, it's more character driven. Yes. Where Breaking it's not more Bad of, was it's not more. as much of a thriller as Breaking Bad yeah, was. So it was more thriller, it was more plot driven. Now there were characters in it, right? Mm-hmm. You know. That's the thing that made Breaking Bad that put it over the top was it was a gangster show with some deep characters. Right. This is a character show. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. What the with a? I don't know what I would add to it, but with a dynamic and uh, a, a dynamic plot, a, a plot that is constantly moving, yeah, and changing. It, it's not. I mean, like, Mad Men was a very character-driven show, but the plot itself was very, pretty much static. There was this advertising. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's always... 
I find it amazing. You know, Better Call Saul was its premise was a prequel, right, on some of the characters to Breaking Bad. So it could have fallen into this issue where it was just marching to an end. Like, we have to get here, right? I don't care, you know. And they could sacrifice what happens in the middle to get to the end, and it's been successful enough. And the the writing and the producing has been strong enough that they have been able to take their time and really develop the middle such that you almost dread the end. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. The, the day that he opened, he, he opens Saul Goodman's legal, whatever is like almost the end. Right. I mean, I expect the show is going to end with, you know, Walter White walking in, you know, but, you know, when he he has a he has a fair amount of success as Saul Goodman. So it could could be some good, a lot of good stories Mm -hmm. once he starts. Yeah. But you you, you feel like you're going to like it's it's the opposite of the Rogue One problem where Rogue One. You knew the story from the beginning. You you knew what was going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, but you didn't make care about the characters. So it was just here's a couple interesting little you know cool space scenes and, mm-hmm. and look at look Star Wars stuff. Uh, whereas you know what's going to happen, uh, more or less. You know that Jimmy McGill is going to turn to Saul Goodman and become the you know this creep creepo lawyer, but you're so interested in what's happening now and the character that he was and, and the people who are influenced along the way that I think they have fuel on retainer. <laughs> I don't know. They got to have fuel on retainer. Well, they had, I mean, Huel was in last season. Was he? Uh, Remember oh, he, right. he was that's in right. the chicanery episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's, it's so good. And I think that, you know, you read the stuff that they said, like um, Peter Gould and, and uh, um, damn it, how come I can't remember his name? Vince Gilligan were talking about when they started. They they, they pictured it as like a romp. They pictured it as a half hour comedy, uh-huh. and then they just started writing, and it turned into. And and I think that the coolest part about it is how th- their process that they found this story. And they never felt that they had to put the accelerator on it to get to the end. They just, Mm -hmm. they were too interested in telling this story. And they they know where it's going to end, but they don't really know how it's going to get there. Right. Did did the, um, the show you watched, did it have a Netflix thing at the beginning? Yeah. Well, the, the downloads, yeah. Because it's oh, it's is out. Is it available on Netflix? The current outside season? of the U.S. Oh, outside of the U.S. Yes. I see. Okay, that's how it's distributed outside the U.S. In the uh, U.S., it's on AMC. I see. Okay, and then and so just the good think, place had the same thing. Right? Think of it like this: when you see a motion picture, you see Paramount mm-hmm. or yeah. Universal. That's the distributor. They distribute. They okay. put their thing on on front. They always say, and they say, it's a Netflix production. It's a universal production. Okay. They're just distributing. Netflix is just a distributor outside the U.S. So they put a Netflix thing in front of the show. Okay. If you see a movie, 
Universal, for the most part, doesn't actually didn't actually make the movie. They're distributing the movie. I see. Okay. Yeah, because like Good Place, like the last season of Good Place, started putting Netflix bumps at the beginning. And like that's on network, isn't it? You know. <laughs> and then when Better Call Saul came up, and like I saw the Netflix, I, I, I tried googling it. I didn't get any really good answers, but basically it sounded like they had. I, so the the bad answer that I saw didn't talk about distribution rights outside the country. It talked about how, you know, they're what's the word they looked. It wasn't sponsor production. I mean, they they, probably, they, used, they, they, they used the word kind of like sponsor or you know basically I think they're a big funder in, into the production. They, they they probably are funding part of the production. I mean, you know, the money they pay for distribution goes to the production. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, distribution rights are are, are pretty paying. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why they get to put their their names in front of it and they probably have the right if amc decides to cancel better call Saul to pick it up you know that kind of thing yeah it would then become a netflix production as opposed to like a primarily yeah. netflix finance production yeah. i know that, that was a big thing with the expanse the, the expanse was on sci-fi but it wasn't actually financed by sci-fi um or not entirely. So mm-hmm. the reason why it got canceled was not because it wasn't making money, but because it wasn't making enough money for sci-fi to keep it on. That's why Amazon was able to step in and say, okay, we'll distribute it and we'll, we'll keep up the payments. So, you know, obviously things get more complicated about distribution, and how things work. Okay. And, but think about shows like this, like Brooklyn nine, nine is switching from was on Fox. Now it's going to switch to NBC. It was always a touchstone NBC production, NBC, the network passed on it, but Fox okay. g- grabbed it after NBC passed on the pilot. It was running on Fox, but it was still an NBC production. NBC, when Fox canceled it, decided to take it. Give it a go. Same thing happened with Scrubs. Scrubs was on NBC, but it was a, and it was a, it was a touchdown. It was ABC production. Scrubs was ABC production. Instead of Scrubs, then it switched from NBC to ABC when it got canceled on NBC. These things can happen. Okay. You don't normally find that on shows like, for example, 30 Rock was an NBC production. It was on NBC. If 30 Rock was canceled on NBC, it likely would not have found another home. Mm-hmm. But that, but I think Kimmy Schmidt was an NBC production that wasn't picked up by NBC, but Netflix picked it up. <laughs> so, you know, lots of weird things can happen. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I mean, it has you know when Brooklyn Nine Nine changed networks, right? It just seemed. Well, it just happened. It hasn't. It hasn't aired yet. Oh, it hasn't aired yet, right? But the news came out. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that you know you haven't. Hasn't happened a lot lately, right? Like I forgot. Community did it. <laughs> yeah. Community went, was always a Sony production. It uh-huh. was bought by NBC, and then when NBC canceled, Yahoo. Yeah, went online. Yeah. Well, going online. You know. Um, Arrested Development did it first. Yeah. I mean, going online seemed like one option, but it. You mentioned Scrubs. I don't even remember Scrubs changing networks, right? You know, but, um, you know, that, that happens, seems to happen much less rarely. It, it's rare. It, it's rare, but it happens. It, it, Scrubs is not the only time that something like that has happened. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Cool story, bro. Westside. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's it for for this week. We will see you on next week.